Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, Boom Crew, it's not often that we start our show like this, but we've got an important announcement to give to you, and I'm going to ask Allie to take it away. This is heartbreaking, but celebratory at the same time. Yeah, you may know Pastor James Ford Jr. He is a a prominent voice here on Moody Radio. He's been on our show a couple times. You may have heard that his uh, beautiful wife, Leslie, went on to her reward uh, last week. Their, her homegoing service is this Saturday, and he wanted to make sure that no one missed out on the opportunity to be there to celebrate her life. So if you are a listener of Pastor James Ford Jr., if you want to support him, uh, just text the word Ford. We have the details of the homegoing service, which is going to be tomorrow at House of Hope right here in Chicago. Go text the word Ford to 312-274-9624. Ford, F-O-R-D to 312-274-9624. You know, Leslie's got, like a lot of great women, big rewards coming her way. Yeah. She was married to James Ford Jr. for a lot of years. And I can say this because he said it to me. Yes, big smile. Oh, my goodness. This girl, when she was entered into the arms of God, he looked behind him and said, here, young lady, this is for being married to a pastor your whole life. Hmm. Yeah, true that. <laughs> true that. Yeah, what a what a home going this is going to be. This celebration is taking place at House of Hope because they need room. Yeah. They need room. Yes. So just text Ford if you want to help celebrate the life of Sister Leslie Ford, F-O-R-D to 312-274-9624. We're going to be talking today all day long about the boldest step you can take that will lead to life abundant. And it's a step of humility. You're not fit for the kingdom of God until you've come to the point of absolute humility before God. You know, we find in the Proverbs great evidence of this. Look at this. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And this verse doesn't explicitly speak of salvation, but there is no life to be lived that doesn't recognize our need for God. But when we recognize humbly our need for God and we have fear of the Lord, riches and honor of life are coming our way. Proverbs 18, 12 says, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Coming up here in just a moment, we've got a dear friend of the show, and he does an amazing job, even in his story, sharing a little bit about his own mom. So on this Freedom Friday, let's kick it off with a testimony that's really going to encourage you this morning. Your number one hub for freedom stories. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Well, we have a treat this morning. I want to introduce a special guest. He's from right here at Moody Bible Institute. His name is Peter Worrell, Associate Professor of Educational Ministries. Okay, we got to back up here. I haven't seen Peter in a long while, and I didn't know why. Peter, why haven't we seen you, and what has God done since we had last Ed in here? This is crazy. Well, I, I did come in here for uh, about a year or two, I think, but then I had a stroke. Yes. Yeah, and uh, the stroke set me back a little bit. And uh, I, I did see Carl around the, the campus a yeah. couple of times. And I said, hello, and then distanced myself because I, I didn't necessarily feel confident coming on here having had a stroke. But uh, that's what happened. I had a stroke. 
Wow. Well, you wouldn't know it. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna be, we're talking about loving like Jesus. Yeah. You've got a mom mm-hmm. who loves like Jesus. Yes, she does. All right, give us the story. <laughs> what kind of a environment, home life were you raised yeah. in? What did your mama give you that relates to uh-huh. what you do and who you are today? Yeah. Well, my my mother. Uh, wasn't a Christian when she got married, and she married my father. And actually, uh, my my father had a temper, and so you know, fathers who have a temper, they're on simmer a lot. Yeah. And then uh, something would trip, and he would go off, and he would drag up everything. Oh no! That that he could remember, he would just throw it at my mother, and my mother fell out of love with him. Mm. So my mother is out of love with him. She had me, and then she had postpartum depression. And so she is in this mess. Primed for the gospel. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And that's when she found Jesus. Wow. And uh, it was an amazing story, but she uh, she dropped me off at a, a place because she had me christened. And she thought, well, I've had him christened, so I better take him to church. <laughs> and so... She, we got to follow through on this. Exactly. We got to follow through. So she took me to church, dropped me off, and then she went to leave, but it was raining. <laughs> and she thought, well, I'll just sit at the back here. And they actually had somebody. It was a church, unfortunately. They didn't preach the gospel a lot. But she was in the back, and they had a guest preacher who, who preached, preached the, the gospel. gospel. Oh, wow. Ooh, this is epic. <laughs> yeah. And so my mother said, I, I've got to do something about this. This person is communicating the gospel and he's saying about Christians and I know I'm not one. Mm. And so she pursued God and she found God and another church that her sister went to had been praying for her at the same time. Oh, and she, she told her sister and she said, I know you've become a Christian. She said, how could you know? She said, we were praying for you. And, and then she was healed wow. from her postpartum depression. And, uh, and then she raised me with a focus on the gospel. And she raised me with a focus on the gospel. And my father didn't have the same focus. Mm. And so it was a little bit of a... Compare and contrast. Exactly. A a huge compare and contrast activity, which I had to make up my mind about. And uh, and actually, (laughs) this is another funny thing. Uh, we had a, a German uh, grade teacher. He was, he was just a teacher who was from Germany uh, called Mr. Kemner. And he, he decided that he was going to do a passion play in the school. And it wasn't a Christian school, but oh, he wow. was going to do a passion play in the school. <laughs> and he, he hands out the scripts to the class, uh, and it must have been in about fifth grade or something. And I looked at the, the script and I said, well, you know, this, this is wrong. This this isn't actually how this isn't what Jesus said. This isn't the way it happened. So he goes, ah, very interesting. Let me go home and look this up. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes home and he looks it up and he comes in the next day and he says, Ha, ah, Peter, you are right. So you will be Jesus. <laughs> so I got crucified in front of the whole school. Oh boy. <laughs> Okay, this is too much. So, Peter, how did those early experiences Mm -hmm. impact your own faith? The the exchange you just mentioned and then the the example that your mom set. 
Yeah, well, the example that my mum set was always, it was on. I mean, things like she was told that she needed to love my father, and she blew a raspberry to the person who told her. She, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to love my, my uh, husband. This is, this is terrible. But she did. She chose to love him, mm. and, and she loved him very well. She was in bed one night, and uh, he said, oh, I could, I could really do with a curry right now. And she's like, oh. Okay, well, I, I guess I better do this for Jesus. So she went downstairs, made him a curry, and brought it back up. And he's like, "What? Well, what's this?" She said, "It's because I love you so much, uh, and I'm going to love you in action." And and wow. that was an example for me. Mm. And and it really, while I'm weighing up, do I believe what my father believes, and all the TV watching, and all the entertainment, and everything that he put into my life, and then do I believe what my mother believes with this devotion to church and going to a church on a Sunday? My mother authentically loved Jesus. And it wasn't that she had all the answers because there are so many things that she couldn't have said anything for. But it was because she had a passion that just came out on a Sunday mm. where where she would take me along. And I remember uh, in the little brethren church that we were in, I, I would be sat next to her and I would be scribbling on a piece of paper really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> and and she would she would have me there and she'd be trying to concentrate. But the thing is I also heard in the in the background. Yes, you did. I, I heard people who loved God and I heard people talking to God. And it, it gave me an idea that you either love God with everything that you've got or you've missed the boat. You've, yeah. you've done something wrong. And, and it's wow. loving God that's yes. the first and foremost thing as a Christian. Okay, uh, Peter Worrell is our guest right now. You might be saying, well, why hasn't this guy been on here before? He was! <laughs> he was on the frequent flyer list here for a long time. Then he yeah. went and got this little mini little little mm -hmm. bit of a stroke. Mm -hmm. God's brought him back to full health, and he's with us here today. Coming up here in a moment, Peter, I want you to wrestle with this one because you are both an educator and you have mm -hmm. a— your associate professor of educational ministries here at Moody Bible Institute, mm -hmm. and you have a deep love for God, a degree in theology, mm -hmm. and we have a knowledge broker educational model mm -hmm. that sometimes lacks the application mm -hmm. of love like Jesus. Mm -hmm. How do we bridge that gap? And what are we trying to do here at Moody that's a little bit different? That's coming up straight ahead. Need a break from everyday life? Get away and in the Word with Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got Peter Worrell with us this morning, Associate Professor of Educational Ministries here at the Moody Bible Institute. I love your heart, Peter. Um, anyone that's been around you any length of time at all knows that you're the faith of your mother. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> it's kind of like what Paul wrote to Timothy. Mm -hmm. It's in your mom, Eunice yeah. and Lois and. Boy, your mom's all over you. That's yeah. a blessing. Uh, you've got a heart to love like Jesus mm -hmm. that is powerful. Mm -hmm. We've got a, how do I say this? Almost a, a default in Christendom in the Western church that mm -hmm. leans toward knowledge mm -hmm. as the end game. Mm -hmm. If we can just know more, if yeah. we can know this about God and know this about my spiritual gifts and know this. Mm -hmm. But Jesus wants us to know and apply. Mm -hmm. And with that application, yeah. we begin to love like Jesus. How are you? Do you see that gap? Oh, yes. And how yeah. do we close that gap? Speak well, to both. I'm an educator and some people might think, oh, he teaches in a church. I don't teach in a church. I teach in schools. 
And schools can be uh, integrated or permeated with the gospel, or it can just be a Bible lesson at the beginning of the day, or God cannot be present. Hmm. So I, I ask my students, how much of your curriculum has God created? And they'll say, uh, all of it except math. <laughs> and I'll say, almost correct. And they'll say, did he make math too? And I'll say, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so the whole curriculum has been created by God. Everything true that we learn is created by God. And if you learn it in an integrated or a permeated sense, you see God in all of these things. But what happens is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. And and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of education, because in education, you have to know God. And what is the fear of Lord, the Lord? Is it just a trembling like, oh, my goodness, I see God and I'm afraid? Or is it an awe and a, a reverence? A holy awareness. A holy awareness. And so what we try to do in our K through 12 uh, education is we try to set people up to be able to come to somewhere like Moody Bible Institute, where you see God through the whole curriculum. And so you pray to God at the beginning of the day, yes, but it's like you're switching your brain on to, oh, there is a God. This is how our devotion should be in the morning. This is how we should find God when we wake up. And then we try to see God in mathematics, in language arts, in these things. And it isn't like we actually integrate and we put him in because he already permeates he, and see he's throughout it all. Yes. He's, he's already there. And so it becomes it becomes the strength of being able to see God in what I'm already learning. Wow. Okay, Peter, I need you to take me back to graduate school. <laughs> I, I know that God met you in a powerful way when mm-hmm. you were a graduate student, mm-hmm. but I don't know the rest of that story, and I feel like I need to hear that. Well, actually, I came to Moody Bible Institute. And at Moody Bible Institute, there was somebody who taught us about faith and learning, which is kind of what I'm teaching here at Moody. And uh, I had reached age 27, and I hadn't really seen how the faith and the learning came together. So I I taught and I learned in one sphere, and I, I saw God on a Sunday and sometimes on a Wednesday. <laughs> Wow, you know, that's so much of my life. Maybe a, a two hours Maybe a two week. hour block. Yeah. But I, I knew that I had to communicate the gospel, but I didn't see how much the gospel permeates and how much it actually is is everywhere. And so uh, the professors of Moody Bible Institute actually challenged that so that I began to see God permeating these other areas of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And then I did another master's at National Lewis in education. And it, we were in a philosophy of education class. And I, I said, well, I'm not sure I agree with the philosophy behind public school education in America. And the, t- uh, and the other students said, what are you talking about? There is no philosophy of public schooling in America. Oh, there is. And that's what the teacher said. So the teacher actually backed me up. And the teacher said, yes, there is. Does anybody know what it is? And uh, another student in the class said, well, I, I think it's secular humanism. And he said, yes, that is exactly what it is. And Peter doesn't agree with secular humanism. So what do you think about this? Well, this gave me a platform. 
oh to be God. able to share with people. And people came up to me after class and said, wait a second, I've never thought about public schooling as having a philosophy. And your philosophy is in opposition to the philosophy that public schooling is preaching. So where do you come from? Now, I need to make it very clear. I'm not against public schools. And sometimes people only have an option to send their children to yes. public schools. And so you have to prepare your children for that. But there is a philosophy that majors in public schooling that we are then going to stand against if we have a Christian philosophy. Oh, boy, we could go on here for a long time. I want to wrap up this portion with a very kind of bedrock question. To the person that is listening right now and reads their Bible in kind of the old evangelical tradition of I'm going to read to know, what does Peter Worrell say you want them to do combining theology and education? To see Jesus, because the Old Testament is written in a wonderful way, in a beautiful way, and the people didn't get it. And, and the people were alienated from God, and the people were Pharisees, and the people were Sadducees, and they, they were religiously doing the wrong thing. And Jesus comes in, and he just blows that thing to pieces. Because Jesus loves his Father, and Jesus loves the Holy Spirit, and Jesus shows us how the law is meant to be a law of love, and it's meant to lead us to freedom, and it's not meant to encapsulate us. It's meant to lead us to the throne room of God, and we are meant to be at home with God. What a wonderful thing that is. Wow. Peter Worrell, everybody. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you right now. Uh, hold on a second. How's that frequent flyer list in there, Young Thunder? Um, how's that? How's that list? We got him checked off on it. Okay, he's, so he's got his card. He's got his, he's got, a, he's got his card. Make yeah. sure he's got his number before he gets out of here, we'll so that that's he. Every time we call him, he says, "This is my frequent flyer card number." Yeah, because I don't want any delays. Oh, no and, doubt. And get him TSA approved so that he doesn't have to wait in line. Come on, he's pre-checked. He is pre-checked. Yeah. Good, Peter Worrell, we love you. Thank you. I thank God for getting you healed up. Yeah, and, so do uh, I. I'm very, very grateful for what years I have. I, I am grateful that you are around here and you're going to get in here more and more. I, man, buddy, I love you and I'm, well, I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity today. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. Okay, we're going to play a game about the stories that we just told um, ourselves, our own stories about humility and how that's the birthplace of new life. Yeah. Because this is important. Um, what was the... Ah, here's what I'm wanting to capture... What was the essence of that breakthrough? Humble enough to admit, boom. Humble enough to admit, boom, this mm. thing yeah. was okay. standing in the way. And, you know, I, as I think about all of our stories, there, there's similarity between Young Thunder and Allie. And that's almost like humble enough to admit, whoa, all my pretense and hoop jumping and looking like a Christian can't save anyone, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Is that Absolutely. fair? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I would agree That's with that. That's fair. Humble enough to admit, super die, all the grief and pain that you had in your childhood. Humble enough to admit you're still the problem. I'm still the problem, and I'm also not the judge. Yeah, but I mean, humble <laughs> enough to admit you're 
with all that stuff that's gone on in your life, yes. you're still the problem. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, no, I mean I'm trying to boil. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I had to be humble enough to admit that all my self-serving ways to fill that void in my life are not going to work. And Carl has not the answers, period. Yeah. I don't. And, and guys, I got to tell you, at the end of the day, I'm so thrilled that we're doing this topic today on Freedom Friday because the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. And I don't know, I, I get this proven to me over and over and over again. The one virtue that gives birth to every other virtue is humility. Andrew Murray's right. I met with a kid for lunch a couple of days ago here, and it just proved to me again how important it is to pour into humble people because people that are not humble, I mean, in humility, we'll talk about what it's going to look like here, but you pour into a humble person, man, you're pouring into something that's going to hold water, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a cistern, Jeremiah too, that won't leak. I mean, I'm out to breakfast with a guy. It's just a, it's just an awesome thing. I mean, I'm not going to tell this kid's whole story, but he was adopted and he's gone through a lot of pain. He's he's gone through a lot of pain in his life. And yet, when I said to him, "Are you ready to really walk with Jesus? And if I poured time into you, would you would you go with it? If I told you what to do, would you do it?" And he's just like, "Oh yes, oh yes." And I know this because I've seen his track record over the last year. And it's like, this guy's hungry. But that hunger for God, there there almost can't be an ounce of pride there. Or let me put it this way. The more pride diminishes or is killed in our life, the more prepared we are to receive God's best. No matter if it's salvation or sanctification growing up in Jesus, humility is the sauce, man. Yeah. It just is. So what's your story, Boom Crew? We're ready for him this morning. We want to hear your story. What is the story, freedom story? What was that What was that thing that stood between you and God that God had to humble you and show you this isn't going to work? What's the this? Fill in that blank. You were, you were so proud you thought this was going to work. What's the this that God had to humble you in? Because when you can realize that, I was just driving in early this morning, I thought, I was thinking specifically for some reason about Young Thunder and you, Allie. Mm -hmm. And I thought that one of the biggest breakthroughs we need in the church today is that humility to recognize that my spiritual performance can't cut it. Mm -hmm. It's only the grace and power of God. And I mean, it's a massive sticking point. Because pride is such a such a funny thing because most people, a lot of times we can reduce pride to the guy who marches into the room and who name drops and who tells everybody about his important position and talks about his net worth. Like, and that's one that's one form of pride. But we would be kidding ourselves if we think that that's the only that pride is always that loud and out there and showy. Pride can be quiet. So quiet. Pride. Church mouse quiet. Oh, yes. Mm. I mean, there's I mean, you think about spiritual pride. You can get 
puffed up in what you know and how and how often you serve and how many ministries you're involved in. And you can find yourself very, very proud in your spirituality. And that's dangerous, too. Maybe the greatest danger. Because spiritual pride is so close, but yet so far. I mean, I used to share this about my story, and I'm not so sure it's absolutely true, but one of the great dangers of being raised in the church is that you get an innate pride that you know some stuff. You look at people walking in and giving testimonies, and you have a subtle sense of, glad I'm not him. Mm -hmm. Well, you are him. I mean, we're all him. Yep. You know, and and I'm not, I'm just passionate about this because— you know, it was just last sat. Was it last Saturday only? My goodness, feels like two months ago. I was out at uh, Grace Point, and a couple hundred folks out there, just great salt of the earth people. But there's a common thread with those folks. I mean, all of them, whether they had made a bunch of dough or never made anything or made a mess of their life or no matter what it appeared on the outside, almost every one of those people, all the people that I met. We're humble. They're just humble. They're there to learn and grow. And it's a precious thing. Coming up, can I share a passage that I think really hits our humility thing well today? No. No? Okay. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's the biggest obvious yes on the planet. Love it. We're going to get to that straight ahead, guys. We're asking you a question. What was that thing that God, I mean... When did God humble you leading to salvation? And what was that thing that you thought you had enough of that would make it work, but it didn't? 312-274-9624. Kevin in Cedar Lake, what's your story? Yeah, Carl. Um, Long story short, so years ago I wanted to be a counselor and help people. I found myself in a a one-day I couldn't help myself, um, tired of life, suicidal, wanted to end it all. Anyway, so at one point, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I, I'm dealing some laryngitis. So it's no, hard no, no, you, you bust through. Thank you for calling <clears throat> in. What do you got? And, and so I'm going on this long rant to my mom about how I hated life, didn't want to live, wanted to jump off a bridge. And as I'm doing it, I hear a still small voice in my head saying, you always thought you could handle life all by yourself. What about now? And I didn't want to hear it, but I knew it was God. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I, I denied <laughs> I denied God's existence, said he wasn't real, shook my fist out of my phone the whole way. And then when I finally surrendered, even full of sarcasm and doubt, <clears throat> the last thing I did was I hung my head and I said, speaking of my life, I said, you want it, you can have it. I said, what could you possibly do with it? And Carl, since he saved me and changed me, oh my gosh, I I have no pride. I mean, I shouldn't be here today. I really shouldn't. I I want to throw my life away. And only by his grace and his mercy am I here. And so... It's a great story. Kevin. I just depend on him. I depend on him, not myself. Yeah. I used to think I was self-resilient and I didn't need anybody. And I wanted to help people. I couldn't help myself. Yeah. So I would have been a terrible counselor. 
Yeah. So that's my story. Way to go, Kevin. Kevin from Cedar Lake. You know what I feel prompted with right now? I'm, I'm just going to ask you right now, you. I'm asking you right now. Are you being humbled and broken under the mighty hand of God right now? I don't care rich or poor. I don't care fatherless or the best dad in the world. If you have an ounce of pride, it will keep you from the arms of God. And I'm asking you today to lay down your pride, embrace humility, and say, I need Jesus right now. And Allie's story is Christian performance, and Young Thunder's story is raised in the church, gone to Bible school, and worked in Christian radio, and then he received Jesus. How do you even say that? You know what makes us kind of cringe a little bit is because that's getting down to the real brass tacks of the heart of a person. Now we're getting down and dirty. But that's where lives are born again. I'm asking you to pray with me right now. Just say, God, I need you. Just say it. God, I need you. Help me. I want you to take your fist right now. Make a little fist and just bump your heart right now and go, I'm a sinner. Just bump your heart right there. Tell him right now, I'm willing to say, I'm not all that. And tell him this as well. I look at the world around me in this moment, and I have no pride over anyone else. I'm humbled because I know that's where you're at today. Say, Jesus, save my soul. I know you died for me, but I need you to save me. I give you my life today. If that's you, you are born again. It's at that, that crisis point, that apex. It's, it's like that valley where everything comes down to that little trickling stream and you jump in and you find refreshment and healing. And if that's you, I want you right away, as soon as you can, pull the side of the road, get to somewhere, get a phone, get it out, and text this word to us right now. Text the word WELCOME to 312 274 Nine six two four. We want to send you something that's going to give you some next steps, some encouragement. Welcome to three one two two seven four nine six two four. It's a beautiful thing when you recognize this, guys. And I want to tell you, I I have at times spoken to people, looked into their eyes, and go, "Man, they're not ready." But you're ready this morning, aren't you? Text the word "welcome." Today's your day of salvation. Three one two. Two seven four nine six two four. It's just a simple little thing. We're gonna auto respond right back to you. There's no time of the day. Sometimes I, I find out people have texted welcome over a weekend because the Lord just broke them, and they go, "Man, I remember that word." And that's the Holy Spirit reminding people too. Text word welcome to three one two two seven four nine six two four. And in this somber brokenness, there is joy springing up. It's the coolest thing. No energy? No problem. We have all the energy you need and more. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. On this Freedom Friday, we're talking about the power of humility because it, without it, we cannot live. It's always good to go back to the Word of God. I'm going to give you some Proverbs. You don't normally hang out in Proverbs, but man, this is power. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. So humility is rewarded. And humility is not 
it's not, I think a lot of us look around and go, wow, that person's really humble. I don't know that it's always super detectable, but it's not something to be looked at as, boy, they receive something. We all have an opportunity to choose humility. You don't think yeah. it's super detectable? Like you don't no, think humility is, you think it's, you, we can't really tell if somebody's humble or not? Is that what you're saying? No, I think we can tell if people are humble, but I think we often, often mistakenly see humility for something that it is when it isn't. Just what you said earlier. You said some of the quietest people on the planet can be filled with pride. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful and wicked who can understand it. You know, it's only when we open that heart up to the power of the Spirit to search and know and try do we see the motivations for anything that we do. Uh, we it, it can be a crazy thing. I think I've done some things that are altruistic that I had myself attached to it too much. And then there's things that I've done when I was loud. And, uh, you know, my bride told me on a couple of occasions, she goes, you know, bub, she said, you're, you're such a strong leader that I think some people could perceive your excitement as pride. And she goes, I know your heart, but you, we, and she was right about this one. You got to be careful for with how you even communicate because pride has common perception of pride has certain leading indicators. But I can sure. tell you, I've been loud sometimes and fired up about things that I was genuinely humble and grateful before the Lord. Mm-hmm. But other times when I've been quieter, when I've had more pride in my heart. Sure. It's funny how that works. Yeah. So can it be discernible? I think if you walk with someone over a long period yes. of time, you can tell someone who's humble. Yeah. Genuinely. I, I agree. I think once you start to spend time with somebody, humility reveals itself or the lack thereof. Yeah, it really can. It's really a cool topic. Yeah. Uh, coming up here in a minute and a half, Young Thunder's got a passage of scripture, but let's get him in here. Uh, Brad, first time caller in Chicago. What's your story, my man? Hey, guys, love your show, and thank, uh, you. thank you for allowing me to share this. Yeah. Uh, about Just a little over uh, 10, uh, 10 years ago, I was a very prideful individual. Um, I thought that anything that I did, job promotion, or if I advanced in something, it was because of my own power. And um, shortly after uh, that had begun, um, I noticed that a lot of people around me that, you know, were actual Christians, you know, they were happy in life regardless of their circumstances, and I simply was not, like something was missing. So I'm taking a bike ride in downtown Valparaiso, and without even thinking about it, I'm wondering, I wonder what it would be like if I got hit by a car. And next thing I know, I'm crossing an intersection, and sure enough, I was run over by a vehicle. Oh, my goodness. And for the next nine months, um, there was therapy, uh, rehabilitation, and I met a, uh, a chiropractor who uh, took my x-ray and he asked me, Brad, you know, during the treatment, are you a Christian? And I thought about that for a moment. I wasn't practicing it properly, but I, I was looking for any doorway to get back into it and make my life bright with Christ. And I told him, you know what? Yes. And I, I, was, I asked him, like, what, what did that have to do with anything? And he told me, well, that's the only reason why I can imagine why you're able to walk right now. And he showed me my x-ray. And I looked at it, and here I am thinking that anything that I did was on my own power. And I realized at that moment that God was humbling me. And he said, you notice anything different? I was like, yeah, my spine is out of whack. He's like, yeah, your spine for the last nine months was bent five degrees beyond the point where it should have snapped. 
and that whole time God had his hand on me. Yeah. Has that, has that stuck with you to this day, Brad? I'm sorry? Has that stuck with you to this day? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's right on. Appreciate you calling in, Brad. First time caller. Boom. That's why we call you the Boom Crew. You know, authentic faith really can only happen when we are humbled before the Lord. It you just apart from it, I'm going to keep going back to Scripture here all morning. Here, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life, and I mean real life. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Powerful stuff, guys. What what was it that God had to humble you in? Was it religious performance? Was it that you were the person building your life and uh, it was all on you? And frankly, you thought you had, you had built that life? And what did God do to bring you to a point of humility? It's a beautiful thing because that's where real life begins. 312-274-9624. Coming up, minute and a half, Young Thunder asking, I share a passage of scripture. I initially said no. And then I thought, you know. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. We're helping people take your next step with Jesus. Uh, yeah. Why don't we let let's, him share? Let's let him share. <laughs> it is the Bible. Just this time. Jonathan sharing time. <laughs> Coming up. Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsor Studios. This is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. How many times does 12 go into 314? Somebody do some quick math. Oh, man. Uh, let's... How many times 12 go into 314? Hmm. Gotta see. Hold on. Okay, We're gonna two, get there. Twenty-six. Twenty-six. Mm-hmm. Is it twenty-six? Twenty-six. Okay. You said three hundred twelve. Yeah, right. Twenty-six. All right. I'll get back to the story here. Um, what's the most amount of snow you've ever driven through? Accumulated snow. Oh uh, man. I don't even know if I would have uh, like an actual number for that. I think there was one uh, one snow late twenty eighteen. Okay that I was driving in. I was driving home from my fiance's home and it was really, really bad. I think there was probably a good couple feet, couple feet okay. and still a good foot or, or less on the road. All right. Bad. You know uh, what's going on in Buffalo this weekend? Yes. You know, they moved the game. They moved the game. I, yeah, to I did. Detroit City. Buffalo Bills have to play in Detroit yes. this week. They're expecting uh, up to five feet of snow in places. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's insane. And they call it a thunder snow. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you thunder people, man. I know I'm messing everything up. So let me tell you, the most amount of snow I've ever driven through, and I and I had to look it up just to make sure because sometimes it's like that can't be sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, I drove one time to uh, actually get down to the terminal of the oil field where it terminates the the Alaska pipeline in Valdez. When you're going over a pass, now get this in Valdez, the city. This is not the pass. Thompson Pass? I think it's Thompson Pass. In the city of Valdez, they get an annual snowfall, average 26 feet. Ooh. What? 26 feet. Average? Yeah, 314.1 inches in Valdez. That is insane. I mean, there's higher snowfall. If you go to um, Mount Rainier in Washington, they've got the highest. They get 645.5 inches average annual snowfall. That's a lot, by the way. That is a lot. Uh, Timberline Lodge in Oregon. I've skied there. 551 inches. Wow. That's a lot of snow. No, thank you. But out. Valdez, and I, I, they don't have Thompson Pass here, so I know it's much higher than this. Thompson Pass, no joking, when you're driving to Valdez in the dead of winter, 
all you see on each side of you are snow walls just cut out and they go 25, 30 feet, three stories in the air. So you're going driving through a snow just it's not even a tunnel. It's like it's a snow like, city, like snow skyscraper. Oh yeah, man. it's oh, like wow. Yeah, hard it's to it's an amazing thing to behold. Even huh. though I was raised in Alaska and I drove through that pass numbers of times, it never got old. I mean, you'd be wow. looking at that, going, "What in the world is going on here?" I mean, it's obviously plowed. Do those walls ever just like cave down? No, back the road? because it's compacted enough. Yeah, where it creates almost like a snow cave yeah. kind of a thing. I guess there's times, but. Yeah, I mean, they're the biggest problem is when it starts to melt. They have to come yeah. in and then carve into those wondering. and push them into okay. the ditch yeah. because you get, mm-hmm. I mean, you get water runoff. I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, You'll flood it like no other. But yeah, I mean, I was I'm sitting here listening this morning, going, "Wow, they're already having to cancel games in Buffalo." Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I I heard word they're looking at five feet in some areas. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a lot of snow, it man. Is a lot. I'd love to watch that game be played though. In the snow. It'd be fun. Yeah, that's great. Hey, yeah, you look at these. You look at these snowfalls. Yeah, Alieska Resort, where I skied a lot. Alieska Resorts, um, man, it's a great slope, but man, it is steep. A lot of black mm-hmm. diamond on it. It was named after me. Alieska. Yeah. She she frequents it often. So. <laughs> you know, I have no idea where that is. I have no idea. <laughs> but if when you first said. Allie, I thought you were asking me a question. I was like, that's oh, no. Cute. That's really funny. Allie, cute. Allieska. You know what Allieska is? That's a great nickname. You know what it is? What is it? It's a combination of Allie and Fresca. Ah. Which was my favorite soda in high school. Oh, see? You know why I loved Fresca in high school? Because I did as well. Do they still make Fresca? The, I think, I think so. so. Okay. Oh, the, so good. the aftertaste stuck with you for like two hours. It was so refreshing. I just, and I don't I don't ever drink Fresca. I don't drink soda, but I used to love Fresca in high school. Well, here's Thanks the word on Fresca. It cut the plaque off your teeth, so it gave you that fresh <laughs> wow. taste. Yes. And it also cut things out of your gut. <sighs> no, here we go. So it was it was really you a dual purpose. Have to ruin I'm these. sorry. I, know. I had a sense of nostalgia. I'm sorry. My best Fresca story is Fresca with four alarm chiller chili. My mom would make this four alarm chili. You need Fresca for that. (laughs) But it was so good. Four alarm chili. We'd go out snowmobiling and towing sleds all over the countryside. Then we'd come home. Mom Mom would have four alarm chili and Fresca. Looks like they still sell it. I got to get some. Today. I do. Stat. Thank you for reminding me. I'm going to go back to my high school years and drink a can of Fresca. Here you go. Guess what I'm doing this winter? Skiing? I'm going to go skiing. Are you? I guessed it. Yeah, I'm going to okay. go. I'm going to go. I might even take a GoPro or something just to take some of the boom crewers along for the ride. Oh, no. I like Grab that. Grab some clips. That's fun. There's no black diamonds anywhere nearby. If there's if there's a ski slope with some black diamonds, somebody let me know. But I don't want to ski black diamonds. But if, usually if there's black diamonds, there's some good long blues in there, too. But uh, are there any ski hills? slopes? Well, I don't want bunny hills. I don't do <laughs> Greens, skiing greens. When you ski green slopes, man, you're basically Um, double pulling just to get any speed up. What's the color coordination for? I don't know why it's coordinated. Green is easy. Green is easy. Blues good. Good long blues. You can go up in the Colorado Rockies and ski good long blues, and they're just great because you can get you can get cooking, but you're not in harm's way. Leisurely mediums. 
Yeah. I mean, you can be skiing 40, 50 miles an hour on blues. Oh, that's cool. And it's just, you're just trucking. Nice, yeah. And it's long. That's fun. It's great. So somebody tell me if there's good slopes. Or, where's the best slope for Carlito to go skiing this winter? It's got to be within like three, four hours. Is there anything close like that? Ooh. I don't know. Let's get some suggestions. You want to help us out here? 312-274-9624. Where's, where should Carl go skiing this winter that's drivable? 312-274-9624. Oh, right here. Galena in Chestnut. It's called Chestnut Mountain. They have black diamonds. But if you've skied true black diamond, it's not. Okay, I know how that <laughs> okay, so works. Ma- Midwest many black diamond. Many already for Galena. That must be the place to go. Okay. I got to check that out. Nice. I didn't even, I never even heard about that. I'm a total ski novice around here. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Okay, coming up, guys, on this Freedom Friday, we got some stories for you. Now, we're going to do something really different here this morning. We're going to go around the horn. And all four of us here have something in common. We all had to get our chops busted by the Savior of the world. He had to bring us to a point of total humility. And you know what? You have that in common with us, too. Yeah. If you've been saved by grace, you've been humbled. You have. There's no way around it. And what we're featuring here this morning is humility as the means to finding freedom. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Proverbs 22, 4. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. There's no gray zone. Have you ever noticed that with humility? Yeah, that it's it's high or low. Yeah. So we'll be giving you some stories straight ahead. We want yours, though, right now, Boom Crew. How did God humble you? When did you, when did you have to get humble enough to realize that this life that I'm building for myself, this ain't working? Let's go to Landy calling in this morning from Chicago. Landy, tell us your story. Hi, good morning. Um, uh, just a little quick uh, beginning is that it was my daughter that invited myself and my wife to a church where she had been attending with a lot of her friends, and I'd uh, never really been presented the gospel before, and after I'd gone with her, I saw something there, and the Holy Spirit was pulling me that I didn't know at the time, yeah. and I then started to attend, and it was just about Easter time, and it was a mega church in the Milwaukee area, and... Uh, they preach the gospel, and they had a video on, and they show Christ hanging on the cross. <clears throat> uh, sorry. No, no, it's okay, and, Landy. Uh, and uh, uh, as I told the young lady before, uh, in my life growing up, I was the oldest uh, boy in the family, and I had to protect my sisters. And my brother was a lot of turmoil and, and things going on in our family, and, and I was the protector, and I was always protecting them. And I was ready to die for them. Went in the military, ready to die for the country, ready to die for anybody. And as I sat there, Christ looked down. He said, I died for you. I died for you. And uh, that's when I knew um, that uh, he was my Savior. And that's when I turned and I had to know more about him. Yeah. And, uh, that's a, Landy, that's an amazing thing to be a man who, who spent your whole life thinking, I got to lay down my life and then get humbled to the point and realize, boy, it's not about me laying down my life. It's that he laid down his. Yep. Yeah. And, Landy, uh, thank you so much for calling. Yeah. What's the fresh thing God's doing in your life right now, Landy? What's he doing in you, man? Come on. Well, he is, he is humbling me. Um, I've gone through a lot of changes. I'm 66 years old right now. And, uh, 
Um, uh, I've gone through a lot of different things in my life that um, were good. You know, he, he keeps testing me. He keeps uh, reminding me that he's the Lord and, and he's in control and I'm not in control. <laughs> and he does this every day. And I just made a change recently. And I thought, ah, did I mess this up? Did I not wait for him to, to uh, guide me in this? And lo and behold, I always call it a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. Dad was working, man. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It's so cool. Every day. Landy, thanks yeah. so much for calling in, my man. You're rich in faith, and it was born out of humility. That's what we're talking about today, guys. And those of you that have just given your life to Christ, just hear me right now. This posture that you're in, I know you know this, this is the most powerful place you've ever been in your life. And what's weird is you're powerless, but you're powerful. It's just an amazing dichotomy, I think is the right word. It's, it's, just, it's just an amazing thing when God reaches in and saves a soul. We're praising God for you this morning. Got a question for you, Boom Crew. When did God humble you? When did you have to get humbled enough to admit this is not working? 312-274-9624. One of the most humbling things you can come to is the realization that all my spiritual activity is adding up to nothing. And when you can get there, look out. And I know that's the bulk of our audience here today, and it might be you. And I know it can be it can be sobering to realize, you mean to tell me all these years I've been in church, I haven't known the real Jesus? Oh, yeah. By the way, if that's your story, call us, 312-274-9624. Taking your calls, Freedom Friday, people coming to Jesus, people choked up and sharing their story of humility. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, guys, uh, taking your stories today, when did God humble you leading to salvation? The reason that we tackle this one, and uh, we've just got eight lines available, so come on in, 312-274-9624. The reason that we're tackling this one is that humility is, I mean, at the end of the day, if it was an intellectual uh, transaction, I see Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Then all the guys who were casting out demons, preaching in his name and doing mighty works in his name would be born again. But they weren't. Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and I'm going to say I never knew you. The only answer for that is to move beyond intellectual understanding into a brokenness that says, whoa, I need a Savior in my life. And so we're asking you. When did God humble you enough to really see that the life you were building for yourself wasn't working? 312-274-9624. All right, Young Thunder, I'm going to pitch this one to you. Sure. Draw upon the resources of Scripture. When Mm -hmm. does humility cross over to self-loathing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, one, I don't think humility should ever cross over into self-loathing. Boom. Good Uh, answer. Yeah. So, But it, it does sometimes because I think that we have a wrong understanding of what humility really is supposed to be. Uh, so there's something, this is, I'm going to go non-biblical saying first, and then I'm going to back it up with biblical, uh, ideas. Okay. So Carl, you've said before here that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And I think that that is a really important distinction. We're not asked to put ourselves down to lift anybody else up, 
but we are asked to consider others first. And you get that from Philippians 2. Philippians 2 says we are supposed to imitate Christ's humility, where it says, who being in the very nature of God didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now, this whole chapter is about humility and it talks about how we should consider what like we should consider uh, the needs of others more important than our own needs. And this is kind of what we're talking about when we say we need to think of ourselves less, not think less of ourselves. Yeah, it's interesting because when I've when I've had moments of self-loathing, believe it or not, the greatest remedy for self-loathing is humility. And you might think, well, mm. you can't go lower than self-loathing. You can because the problem with self-loathing, loathing is the word self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humility is the removal of self yeah. and the awareness of God's presence and power. Absolutely, because self-loathing, although you're not thinking good thoughts about yourself, you are still self-focused to be self-loathing totally and you totally and so getting out of the mindset of saying hey i'm not going to focus on myself right now i am going to focus on this other person that's a great great place to start now nah, it's good stuff taking your calls we got phone lines heating up here man when did god humble you enough for you to see that the life you were building for yourself meant nothing 312-274-9624 all right uh, betty in chicago what do you say sister Hey, God bless you. I love your show. I The Lord humbled me. If anybody can smack you down, it's the Lord, let me tell you. I worked really hard. I slept three hours a day. I made a lot of money. I did nothing for anyone else with that money but myself. I bought property. I, 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 I didn't want for anything. The good Lord took the house, the building, the property, my job, my health, my attitude and, and my car died after the very last payment and everything but the doors fell off. And, you know, that was God's way of saying, you know what, you need to you need to help other people and you need to be a kinder person. So he took everything from me to the point where I had to crawl to him to beg him for my health, for a job. I mean, I thought, you know, I used to eat like a queen, and now I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich split in two pieces, one in each pocket, in the street, looking for a job, on the bus, in the cold. And you know what? The good Lord blessed me with more than I ever lost, and I I do so much in the name of the Lord and our kingdom, and I'm so glad that he did that to me. You know, Betty, brokenness is a beautiful thing, and humility is born sometimes at the very bottom of the valley, and sometimes when we think we've gone down far enough, God says, I'm going to take you a little lower. And I don't know if we hold that up as a badge of honor enough. It's an honorable thing when God allows us to see how desperately we need him. Taking your stories this morning, guys. How did God humble you enough to see that the life you were building— was it working? 312-274-9624. Coming up, Carl, let's let's talk about Betty's story a little bit. Someone's listening and going, wait a second. So that's what so God's gonna take my health and my car and everything I own, and that's what that's what getting humbled looks like. Is God taking everything away from me? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I've known people that had a lot. I know a guy that sat at the top of ski speaking of ski slopes. 
you can own a lot and get broken. You don't have to have the doors falling off the car. But broken and humbled, got to have it. Good question, Allie. Let's answer it. Coming up in two minutes. Your shot of hope to make it through the day. It's Carl and Crew Mornings. All I know for sure is when you are humbled, there is a unifying thing that happens between people who have very little and people who have much. This is why the early church gave to each other as they had need. There was something dynamically, there's something so dynamic about humility that we don't see what we possess as our own. It, it changes. Yeah. And we don't see what we lack as something to be hidden, but we even share that need. And humility isn't... Um, uh, humility isn't trying to feature their own pain. Humility features the pain that led them to this abundant relationship with God. You had a question about this call that came in earlier. Yeah, we had a caller who who just talked about how God humbled her and took basically everything away. She lost her health. She lost her job. She lost her car and her home and everything. And so I know I recognize that that can maybe sound confusing if you're listening and you're going, so is that what humility looks like? I'm going to sit back and wait for God to take everything away from me, and then I'll be humble. Humility is the awareness that we don't have everything, that we don't have what we need. Mm -hmm. I got a friend, um, his name's Dan. He was a bond trader. Uh, He's the first guy ever convicted for recreational distribution of cocaine in the United States of America. Hmm. Convicted federally of recreational distribution of cocaine. And the reason he was convicted of this is that there was a bit of a um, let's just say he was really close to one of the presidents of the United States of America. Okay. And so they, there were some other warring parties that kind of had it in for this guy. Therefore, mm-hmm. he got caught up in the mess. I'm being a little bit code here only because that's the way I'm going to roll with this. But he owned, an, a, um, he owned a ski resort called Angel Fire in New Mexico. Okay. Along with a bunch of other stuff. Because when you own a ski resort, that's not all you own. You, you generally own other, other stuff. stuff. So he owned a lot of stuff. And to hear his story is one of the most beautiful things. He didn't lose any of it, but he lost the jazz of what that stuff could do. Mm. And it freaked him out. He couldn't get high off cocaine anymore. He couldn't get high off of all of his bond money. He couldn't get high off of his cars. He couldn't get high off of his, and he's willing to share this, all of his cheating on his wife. And he owned this ski resort called Angel Fire in New Mexico. Some of you might be going, is there a ski resort in New Mexico? Yeah, the Rockies go all the way down to New Mexico. And so it's up in the Rockies. And he went to the top. Of, he went to Angel Fire, drove there, told one of the maintenance guys, it was the middle of the summer. He said, fire up the gondola or whatever lift or whatever it was. The guy nervously fired it up. He's like, what in the world is going on? Dan wants to go up the mountain. There's no snow. And Dan went up to the top of Angel Fire. And with all the stuff he had, millions and millions and millions of dollars of worth, he said, I sat there on a rock, Carl. And I said, God, what is this all for? He had it all, but it did nothing for him. And he put his head down and he said, God, I'm done. I give you my life. God heard his prayer, Allie. All he remembers hearing from the Lord is, I know one guy in my organization that 
I have heard rumors somewhere he had heard different things about this <laughs> young kid who was a disciple of Jesus. He came down the hill, got in his car, drove back to Little Rock, went into his organization, goes about three layers down, finds this kid and almost just like gets up in his grill. The kid was just like, what in the world? <laughs> he says, tell me all you know about Jesus. Wow. And this kid said, well, Mr. Dan, and he began to pour out his heart about all he knew about Jesus. And on that day, my buddy Dan was born again. Do we need to lose everything? No. But do we need to understand that there is no value in those things, but only in the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord? Yeah. Sometimes God will take it all away. Sometimes he'll take away any dopamine hit that comes from it. And either way, it's a grace of God, isn't it, Alex? It is. So when did God humble you enough to see that the life you were building for yourself wasn't working? 312-274-9624. Let's get a quick one in here. Sandy, first-time caller from Jupiter, Florida. Thanks for calling in from Florida. What do you say, Sandy? What's your story? Oh, yeah. I love you, Carl and crew. Um, I was raised in the Baptist church. I had gone forward, accepted Christ as my Savior, got water immersed, baptized, but uh, I didn't live the life. I led a reckless life. And um, I married my husband in 1972, and we were not going to church. Uh, Church was not a part of our life, and I'd been raised that way. So my neighbor called me and said, uh, we're going to start a Bible study, and uh, the pastor's wife from the Assembly of God Church is going to lead the um, Bible study. And I thought, oh, that's kind of odd. They're going to have a Bible study in this neighborhood. And (laughs) here I was raised in the church. And I walked in, and I saw that woman. And I, uh, as I got into the study, I was completely humbled that I was not walking the talk, living the life. And from that day forward, I came home and I said to my husband, I've met the Lord. We're going to church. (laughs) And he said, well, that's fine. What church do you want to go to? I said, well, I don't know. So we started going to churches in uh, Bettendorf, Iowa, Davenport, Iowa. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit, after all these years of being away from the Lord, said, you go back to that church. You go back to those people that loved you, that you walked away from. And I tell you, I walked in that door shaking like a leaf. Yeah. And who greeted me but my old-fashioned Sunday school teacher, Sandy. Here you are, back. We are so happy. And you were born and again. my husband, yes. with a lot of prayers from everybody at that church, walked the aisle and accepted Jesus 10 years later. Boom, sister. Wow. So God Boom. never gave up on me. Way to go, Sandy. Sandy, isn't humility a powerful place to be? It absolutely is. Yeah. Sandy, first-time caller from Jupiter, Florida. How about them apples? Wow. Where's Jupiter? Where's it by? Sandy, where's Jupiter by? I know it's by a big city. Where's it by? West Palm Beach. It's north of West Palm Beach. Okay. All right, sister, enjoy your beautiful weather down there today. It's also uh, just a little far off of Mars. (laughs) Sorry. I had to. You had to. I had to. I was required. He did it in humility, so it's okay. <laughs> Thanks, Young Thunder. What a what an amazing story, huh? Yeah. This is uh, this is a good one to wrestle with that we're hitting here today, guys. This is powerful. 
You know, I want you to know something right now, that there is no one, no one, no one that is fit for the kingdom of God until we are humbled under his mighty hand. This, If this was an intellectual exercise, man, there'd be a lot of saved people out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, because knowing good theology doesn't, doesn't do anything for you. You know who knows good theology? Hmm. Demons. Yeah. According to James, the half-brother, de- uh, half-brother of Jesus, the demons believe in Jesus and they tremble. Whoa. Yeah. Belief in who Jesus is, his deity and all that, but humbling yourself under his hand so that he can lift you up, that's living. Wow. Coming up here, uh, we are going to tackle it. We're, we got more open lines for your stories here. How about this? We got people calling in from Florida, listening online. I love it's that. Awesome. First time calling. That's why we call you the Boom Crew. I got to start giving away more booms. You do. Sometimes I just sit here in awe and I forget to say boom. Just tuning in? Hear what you missed with the Carlin Crew Showcast. Just go to carlincrew.org. We're going to be praying and asking what the Lord's doing here in these final 20 minutes. Could it be your story that needs to be shared here today? 312-274-9624. When did God humble you leading to salvation? And by the way, there's no salvation apart from humility. This is what we find in the Proverbs. I love this. You can go to the Proverbs and find these powerful nuggets. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. Some of you are like, man, I'd like to be rich. You humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and you're going to find riches like you've never seen. 312-274-9624. Kim and Morris, what do you say? Kim, what's your story? Well, my story is I accepted the Lord Jesus when I was a freshman in high school. And I like to say that I guess I had the head knowledge. I was more legalistic and pharisaical, and it wasn't until I was 40 years old when I lost my three-year-old daughter that the head knowledge went to the heart. Mm. I'm, so was, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Kim. That experience happened that I claimed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I put my hope and trust in Him. My most favorite scripture is Romans 8.18, where it says, the pain and suffering that we endure down here on earth will not compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah, Kim, you're living and it. I, I just cling to that. What's your little so, girl's name? Michaela. Michaela. Isn't it great now? Um, Michaela went straight to the arms of God, and you are going to be with her. And what a what a reunion that's going to be, Kim. Wow, what a sweet yeah. thing. You know, here, uh, thank you, Kim. Boom, sister. That's why we call you the Boom Crew. You know, it's so true that, you know, Accepting the Lord is common language used for what we do when we walk an aisle or put a hand in the air. But walking that aisle and a hand in the air without a humble heart of absolute contrition, knowing it's God or bust, is no salvation at all. It's, and again, I appeal to you from James, where Jesus said, the demons believe and they tremble. If it was intellectual assent, according to national stats, we'd have 76%-ish of Chicagoland who are telling people about Christ. 
That's, that's a staggering number. To claim belief in Jesus, the demons believe. But being humbled to the point where you say, whether I have suffering need or whether I have much, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's a whole different place, man. That's a whole different deal. Yeah. And uh, do you have to lose a three-year-old to get broken? No, God will break us when we realize the emptiness of what we have, even if we have much. But apart from him, we can do nothing. No fruit born in our life. And when you realize, and I'm apart from him, I need him. I need him now. That's where life is born. Maybe you've had an illusion of salvation like Kim has had for a lot of years, but now she's in Christ. Maybe you're right there right now, and you're like, man, Carl, I'm afraid I don't know Jesus really. Oh, hallelujah, I'm glad God showed you that. Man, I'm glad God showed you that. And right now I'm asking you to bow even lower still and just say, oh, God, you give grace to the humble. Grace is God's power to do in us what we can't do in ourselves. Just humble yourself right now under his mighty hand. And I want you to say to God right now, I've got nothing apart from you. Right now, right now. First time in your life you've ever said this. I don't care if you've gone to church. Well, we got a whole room full of folks here that were raised in church. That doesn't mean dip, diddly, squat. But say, I need you now. I need you now. Fill me up. I give you everything I am. Whether I have suffering need or much, I can only do it through you who gives me strength. Boy, when you admit that, now you are born again. And I don't know why the Holy Spirit, I don't know why it's this moment today, but I, God sometimes uses stories, sometimes he uses your life situation. They all combine together and there's this convergence of an opportunity for you to reject pride and embrace humility and say, I, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. And if that's you today, I want to welcome you to the family of God. You're just saying, will you say this with me? Jesus, forgive me for all my sin. I give you my life completely right now. Is that you? Awesome. Right now, get to the side of the road. You've just given your life to Jesus. Just get to the side of the road and text the word welcome to us. We're just sending you something that'll help you. It's like a little quick start guide. This is our little attempt, our little feeble attempt to say we're here, brothers and sisters, drinking from the same stream of living water, saying we're here to help. Just text the word welcome to our number here, 312-274-9624. I'll say it slow. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624, and we want to welcome you to the family. I've been behind all morning here, but we're right on time at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Welcome to the family. Being humbled to the point of salvation is the only place to be. Welcome to the family. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. 
Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew as we help you take your next step with Jesus. You're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.